Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ricky, Gareth, and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hi, yes, good evening. Steph. Good evening. Excellent. Good to see you all. Good to see you all. And I know that we've all been watching a bit of telly tonight. We are recording a day later than usual because, uh, actually, three of us were at the game yesterday. Um, but we have been watching a bit of telly tonight, a Monday night special, if you will. Um, and it was a bit special, wasn't it? Let's just, I mean, let's just acknowledge that we were very happy with Crystal Palace 3, Arsenal 0. I know it's untypical to start a Spurs podcast talking about, you know, the South London derby, if you will. But it was a big game. And, you know, I think that if you're looking for rivals to blink, I'd say that that was a massive shutting of the eyes and a, a sh- trembling of the knees and a, a general capitulation. Uh, would you not agree, chaps, on Arsenal's part? Yeah, I think so. They'd had, you know, a relatively soft run of games so far this year. I think it was always likely that their results would wobble when they had some tougher games coming up. And, you know, as we found going to, going to Palace, going to, um, Service Park is a, is a, is a tough gig. And, um, they, Arsenal were comfortably the second best team tonight. Agreed. Over the moon, cock a hoop, all the cliches. <laughs> and, you know, it must be said that this pod has always had um, a deft appreciation of Patrick Vieira, and uh, we'd like to acknowledge that, especially tonight. Yep. One part of that might not be entirely true. Well done, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done, Paddy. Of course, without gloating too much, we must note that, you know, this is there's going to be twists and turns throughout, and, you know, nobody wants to, nobody wants to go too cock a hoop yet, but, you know... If we're trading blows, that was a big blow for them, and uh, it, it certainly cheered us up a great deal. Not that we needed much cheering up, I will say. We navigated the international week injury-free. We got back to the business of our top four bid, and uh, I think, as we all saw, it was uh, incredibly comfortable in the end, and entertaining, uh, beating Newcastle 5-1. Probably, you know, some of the most... Uh, Exciting football we've played uh, for a long, long time. That second 45 minutes. That is later. We have to start with our intro question. And this week, Milo wants to know, if you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone, which ones would you keep, Ricky? Oh, me. Um, Are we going to be strict about this? I mean, because some boring apps like Gmail are obviously quite essential. (laughs) Anyway, I'll just tell you what I was going to keep on my phone, which would be, I I thought the best thing to keep is the things that kind of facilitate my actual um, spare time life because all the other stuff can just go to shit really I don't care um, so my three apps would be uh, BBC Sounds because I've just listened to Six Music as much as I can whenever and there's lots of other good stuff on there uh, Magic Seaweed which is basically swell charts swell period charts wind charts because if if I'm always looking to go in the sea or plan some kind of surf trip, so I'm constantly looking at that, as um, Mrs. Ricky will always tell you, I spend far, far too much time just browsing that. And the other thing is I'm a bit of a list keeper. So I'm um, Google Keep is my list app of really? choice. Well, not really. I'm not. You know, well, I am a list keeper. Otherwise, I wouldn't have you know, said it. I think it just keeps me in a little bit of kind of order and my life in order. And I actually <laughs> tick a few things off and I get around to doing some stuff. But, yeah, they're the kind of things that kind of would help me um, beyond the mandatory life roles of bringing up children, doing some work and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll yeah. So has the internet in this app in particular saved Mrs. Ricky's fridge from, uh, you know, the, from the door falling off under the weight of your fridge lists? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Back no, in I've... the days of paper and, paper and, and pen. Were you, were you fridge listing to death? No, you? not really. No, I wouldn't put a list on the fridge. No, never. It was more just like a pad kind of thing in the old days. 
I'm very intrigued. Oh. I mean, we might we might have to have another pod just about your list keeping. That might have to be one of our future questions. What's the most stupid list you've ever kept? But uh, the never-ending one, before probably. Before we delve into that for another 20 minutes, oh, there we are. <laughs> but Well, Milo, I'm going to ask you to answer your own question. Three apps from your smartphone. I was going to be strict on it. <laughs> so I was going to say a browser. Uh, <laughs> All right. Because, because that can do the job of most of the apps on there. If I, that There's a lot of off. web apps now, isn't there? Yeah. So, just Nick, yeah. you stolen my – you utter bastard. You've just stolen my answer. Why, why, why would I not have thought that you would have already covered that angle? Oh, dear. It's like it's like when you have to play that electric chess guy. WhatsApp, so I can talk to you guys and, oh, and pl- pl- plan our episodes and uh, and Twitter because it's a time sink and I enjoy it. The one, the one thing. Can I just say the one thing we should really say is like some kind of podcast player that might be quite handy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could say it, but none of us have so far, have we? So, uh, Gareth, uh, you are now uh, clearly in the lead to to drop the bleeding obvious, if you wish, <laughs> or give us the three apps you're going to keep. Well, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, Ricky, it's um, podcasts is the one that I spend a lot of my time scanning through and listening to. Then the Apple Fitness app, um, which I use a lot to track the running that I do. And then the third one that I use would be probably the Athletic app, which is a good source of information and good source of reliable information as well. We can't have uh, a browser app, can we? You're banning that, right? Because mine would have been Google. It would have been the Google app. You can have the Google. You can have Google. Okay, well then I so Google, so Google I'm having. WhatsApp I'm having, and I'm having my camera app because I take loads of pictures, as some of you might have noticed. I don't know. Did I ever, have I ever sent you a picture of my dog and cat at all? Have you ever seen? Once or, once no, or I'm, twice. Remind me, I'll have to send you one when we stop recording. <laughs> once or twice, indeed. The one I can definitely do without is the telephone app. That's I don't use it for uh, making calls at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the week that was, chaps, let's do it. The week that was, Brandon Austin has signed a new contract with the club, which will run until... 2024 and charlie sayers has signed his first professional contract with the club he joined from south end united in december and has already made nine appearances for under for our under 18s many of them as captain scoring twice he has also played two matches for under 23s in recent weeks and prior to joining us charlie made six first team appearances for south end in the national league um, i added this to the notes because i just thought it was astounding uh joe hart speaking in in, in an interview with a podcast called in the stiffs spoke of being called in by nuno and told the following and i i just want to read this out because uh it's a, it's it's fascinating astounding and all of it quote this is joe hart speaking not me i knew they were signing another goalkeeper and i was like do we need to have a conversation he said he being nuno that we'd speak after training he was like i'll speak first Let's be absolutely clear. No matter what happens, you'll not kick a ball this year. Nuno just went, in my opinion, we all reach a point in our career where the body won't allow you to play football. We're at it now. I would not feel comfortable with you playing one minute for me. The ball's too quick for you. You're too old. You're not moving. You've got no strength in your body. And that was the end of the quote. That was apparently, um, you know, (laughs) apparently a lot more because there's an ellipsis which suggests it didn't stop there. It was interesting perspective, I thought, to hear such definitive words um, from a man perceived as perhaps rather quiet and conflict-averse. Chaps, any any responses to uh, Nuno's observations on Joe Hart as retold by Joe I've Hart? I've just gutted that Amazon weren't there. <laughs> I'd love to have seen that one. <laughs> just deadpan, deadpan Nuno. <laughs> it might explain why so few players made any comment after he was sacked. I think I think his assessment is right. Mm. It's just slightly flawed at who we brought in to replace him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I suppose that's true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. This is the second season on a trot where we've had a reserve keeper who's mainly there for vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely it's very accurate. Well well said indeed. But uh, uh but it does it's it's pleasing in a way to know that Nuno did have some strength and was not afraid to say what had to be said at times. And uh, hmm. Joe, I'm sorry he said it to you, but uh, the game is about glory agrees with him. So there we have it. <laughs> the Premier League has voted to reintroduce five subs for games next season. Chaps, very quickly, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down? I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I, I do give it a thumbs up. I think just the sheer number of games that footballers are playing at the moment, it means that this sort of thing, this, this they should be reducing the number of games. That, that should be what yeah. they should be looking to do, but no one's going to back down. So this is probably the most sensible compromise. I think it does disrupt the flow of a game, albeit I appreciate that there's going to be inter- three intervals in which they can make those changes. But yeah, I, I think it's probably, a, it's probably necessary. Yeah, I mean, you can understand why with the World Cup next year, falling in the middle of the season. But it does favour the bigger teams. It does, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I would agree with all of that. And during the week, to continue the week that was, the club announced that they are going to launch a streaming platform in the summer called Spurs Play. It will show live men's pre-season friendlies, under-23s, home under-18s and select women's matches, plus four match replays from every fixture. I'm going to speak up first. How on earth this could be perceived as a bad thing is beyond my scope i think it's about time it'll give people like myself who you know live abroad a chance to keep up with the youth which is which is a big deal and and i think it's a really really important move for the club and i've seen some complaints about the subscription model what do people expect yeah it'd be nice if they did if they gave it a season ticket if it's included in the season ticket price or something like that would be a nice move i think um, for people who have them but it's a good thing I've also seen some criticism about maybe the pressure it's going to put youth players under but you know plenty of other clubs have done that I've watched plenty of Spurs under 23 games this season on you know opponents uh, streams not aware of it being a problem there but hopefully it is do you, do you just mean from the point of view that they're more visible as in they'll get some kind of social media responses and that kind of stuff yeah that's right mm. kind of the, the twitter hate mob descending yeah, you're on. gonna get idiots critiquing 16 year olds aren't you is the potentially the problem that you get I'm, I, I'm i'm just envisaging the moment that they release whatever the price is going to be and the supporters trust go up in arms and state what that will cost per year and that they would have lobbied and wanted it 25 pence a month cheaper and all the carry-on that that usually provides particularly if it's in the middle of a transfer window in which we haven't bought three hundred and fifty million pound players by that point as well but that's that spurs twitter for you which is why twitter isn't one of the three apps that i would keep on my phone <laughs> yeah the price point will be interesting um but i think there's there's an opportunity there to put a good little package together that people might you know might really sort of gravitate towards i think if the content's great i mean it's easy to do kind of good content stuff now it can be really yeah. you know people love a bit of inside stuff in the club and i mean to record stuff so easy these days and there's some talented yeah. guys and girls out there that can do this stuff if you see from all kinds of youtube mm. channels and that i mean obviously yeah. there's a whole load of rubbish as well but um it wouldn't take much to have something that's great i think i think the latest plans for the um the building at the training ground included a, a studio there didn't they a suite oh, for cool, that yeah. so yeah, I think it'd be. I think it'd be good. I mean, four match replays would be brilliant. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, just being, especially if you've got the, um, you know, the the whole of the season or you know, an archive of games to go back to, would yeah. be really good. Yeah. 
Well, they don't yeah. produce end-of-season DVDs anymore. I was really disappointed by that. I had every one since the first one they did in 1988, and they stopped doing them when we left White Hart Lane. I haven't done one since then. So that's really ruined my collection on my, on my shelf. Uh, so oh. it would be good if there's something similar to that, or at least something where you could go back and you could watch highlights or, or goals from, from every game. And, of course, as I like to say, whenever anyone complains about the price of a service, it is a service that you are free to subscribe to or not. So if you don't like it, don't subscribe. There are many of us uh, based abroad who will find this an incredible addition to our modern lifestyles. And it sounds like there's going to be a fair few people uh, domestically too. So you might have discovered that at the beginning of this pod, I was a, a little bit sort of jittery, a little bit all over the place, if you will, uh, flubbing a little bit, kind of scuffing my lines. It's because I actually don't know if I can remember 24 football hours for the last few seasons that have brought as much joy <laughs> as as uh, from Sunday to, to Monday night. I mean, we had the, the goons choking, as we just talked about, and now we're going to talk about uh, the game against Newcastle yesterday at the lane, which... Um, I'm delighted to say uh, Gareth, Ricky, and I met up with Ram, and uh, we all witnessed. Uh, we missed you, Milo. Um, you were there in spirit. I would also like to accept some credit before we go any further. Um, oh, no, Ricky instructed me to the fact that there was a spaniel, a uh, bomb-sniffing spaniel, halfway down the street. Regular listeners will know where I'm going with this. Uh, my friend Johnny <laughs> insisted that I go and pet the spaniel. I asked the spaniel handler if I could pet his spaniel, which uh, is always a dodgy thing to say because it could be somewhat euphemistic in a public setting. He said, quickly, I have somewhere to go. I petted the spaniel. I had whiskey in the ground. And uh, you saw the results. I had, to, yeah, I had actually mentioned... Oh, Should I'm we men- talk about the game? <laughs> No, I'll talk about your Spaniel, because I'd actually mentioned to the Spaniel, I'd seen it on the way down from Northumberland Park Avenue. He happened to be walking back that way towards the East End, and um, I just said, oh, no, you haven't paid. I saw a Spaniel up there, um, Steph, and then lo and behold, it just appeared through the throng of the crowd, this Spaniel weaving with its own. I said, and there it it is. There it is. (laughs) And it was like fate. It was was. It was fate, and it would have been fatalistic for me not to have petted it It and then had subsequently a whiskey to back that up. So... And um, with the important selections of the game, they gone now. We've discussed those. Let's first of all talk about um, Reggie's late withdrawal. And I, I'm really interested to get um, your thoughts on how you thought we were going to deal with it and how you thought it was going to affect us. Uh, I'm going to go to Milo first because he was um, viewing from a different perspective. So, Milo, what were your thoughts when you heard about that? And how did you think it was going to affect us? I mean, the rumours started filtering through earlier that day. Conte dealt with it as I thought he would deal with it. And there was a kind of knee-jerk reaction from a lot of fans around um, kind of continuing the pile on on, on rail that we've seen over kind of the last few months and and hate on, uh, on Doherty on the left. I wasn't too bothered about it. I think you know we, it's something we haven't really seen since our January signings settled into the team, and I think Decky particularly makes a bit of a di- makes a difference to that right hand side and um, provides a lot more support to whoever's playing there. It, he did what I expected him to do. Um, I was still reasonably confident about the game and just just interested in seeing how it, how it went. And I think it went pretty well. I think both of them were, were fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if any of you seen um, uh, Royal tweeted out uh, uh, his highlights video from the from the game, which was really sweet no, no. because. Uh, so a few crunching tackles, a couple of uh, bumping into people, and then his goal. He showed. It, it, I think it clipped 
clipped it three times uh once in slow-mo uh with kind of three screens across there with um some samba mm-hmm. music in the background it was um it was really really sweet oh uh, it, it was a samba-esque a samba-esque shuffle of the hips and knees and feet to get to that to deftly flick it past the keeper and uh, inside his inside his post wasn't it we would call it a typical brazilian finish would we not ricky yeah well I suppose so. <laughs> He's got a lovely hairdo now anyway, so I was very <laughs> impressed with that. But um, I think selection-wise, I mean, there were some other options, but I think, like Milo said, that was the most likely one to go for with um, pushing. Because what you've got to remember as well is Doty's actually done a few games on the left as well. So, mm. And I think, as Milo alluded to, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know the stats, but I think before when Royal played down that right-hand side, it, was, it could well have been Royal... It could have well been Sanchez, Royal, and Mora, and of course, two of those places are taken up by other people now. So, yeah. um, and and when we talk about other people, we're talking about like a load better. Other people, there's so much more talent in those two players, so that helped Royal along, I think. And no, he had a good. As you say, I don't think there was anything to be upset by. I mean, I was I was a bit worried. I won't, before the game, you're thinking, oh, because you just don't want things to change. You want it to go as smoothly as possible. But um, yeah, both of them, both of them done well, and of course, they had one goal where they connected with each other, and that's great. That's Conti's dream. Mm. Gareth? It, it won't be the first time that I or anyone else mention it, but the first 40 minutes was very, very different from the last 50 minutes yesterday. And I think for the first 40 minutes, we, we, we struggled against um, against a resolute Newcastle defence. What I found interesting is I was watching the warm-up and they always do a drill as part of the warm-up where they'll get both wing-backs either side of the penalty area. Kane, Son and Kulisevsky will be in the middle. They'll, they'll work on getting the ball out wide and crossing it. And usually they would alternate that from, from both sides. But yesterday they didn't. So at no point in the warm-up did they send any crosses out from the left-hand side, albeit Doherty was involved in the um, in the in the drill to attack the far post from the left-hand side. Emerson Royal, there was about a dozen footballs that they got him successively just to cross when, when Everyone else had almost sort of finished their warm up as well. Mm. I I had sort of questioned whether they would switch and play out the other side, so whether Doherty would start on the right because he'd done so well there for the previous six games, and actually Royale would mm. play on the play on the left. And I guess obviously in hindsight, it was absolutely right to do it the way that it did. I had looked up. In fact, I was looking with my colleague who I sit next to. There's been three occasions this season when we've not had either Reggion or Sessignon on the left-hand side of, in that unit. And that, by interesting, that was all three games against Chelsea in January where we not only didn't score, but we barely created anything either. So I think I was a little bit apprehensive seeing them line up on it, that way round. But, 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 but of course, the, the, the facts talk for themselves. So... Gareth, you've led me into the, something I think is really worth discussing, and I think it's very relative to what we've all been talking about here, and that is our approach to the first half. And I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, and I'm interested to, if, if you agree with this or if you think it was purely sluggishness. I felt that we felt our way through the first 30 minutes simply because of the magnitude of that change and the shift we had to make. I felt Conti actually almost told us to to be uh, a little more controlled and to not go for the game at that point until we'd settled in and, and got all the players on side. Do you think that's a, a fair observation or do you think it was a lack of momentum? What I found interesting, Newcastle won, the, John Joe Sheffield won the toss and Newcastle usually, when they win the toss in an away game, they switch the teams around to try and unsettle them the way that they kick. But it was a very deliberate ploy that they wanted the ball and they put the three 
centre forwards on the left hand side and they attacked immediately from kickoff mm. uh, with a long diagonal ball and St Maximum had a little bit of a run they maybe won a free kick on the edge of the penalty area but that attack lasted for about 90 seconds and then they did exactly what I think we all thought they were going to do which was sit back on the edge of the, the penalty area and we know teams have made that made that tough for us they particularly when one or both wing backs aren't in great form or, or playing on the wrong side so yeah we we did I mean what I thought was interesting was and this was perhaps a bit of a um, bit of a mind trick that I had assumed that first half pretty average second half much better but when I looked at the stats we had almost as many shots in the first half as we did in the second half um, so I think it's it, it's more about Newcastle just downing tools once they went 2-1 down might be the might be the might have been the the bigger thing in play yesterday. So I think we were probably just as good in the first half. We just came up against a slightly more resolute and determined defence at that point. And then they lost their shape quite badly. And we were able to exploit that because we've got really good players who do exploit things like that. I mean, they did focus on that left-hand side with St. Maximin because they, you know, Royale was there and they think, you know, that's the person to get after, which is, you know, a fair plan. And he's, he's not played for a while. But, um, I think, uh, Romero then started helping him out a bit. I think he started really sort of hunting down after St. Maximin a few times just to let him know that, you know, Royal's not on his own. But the first half, we were a bit, we weren't sluggish. I think maybe we were just, blowing off the cobwebs after the international break and some of it I think when we play like that because we've played a lot of games like that where we're not we're sort of in control but we're not really doing much and it's maybe just stepping up that little bit more energy and a bit more risk taking with some of the passing because I think I remember I mean you said we had shots but I remember I think Kane dragged one past the post from about 15 yards didn't he low down to the left post and I remember Hoiberg had a back post header that sort of went over by a foot or something but I don't really remember like loads of threatening situations but they were dropping deep and closing the spaces and sometimes you know that's what happens. So I thought we were okay in the first half I thought we were controlling the game pretty well we weren't creating you know quite good enough chances but I was pretty confident at half time that if we stepped it up a bit then um, we'd be able to roll them over and I think um, once we got the second goal I thought Newcastle lost their shape a bit the, the sun goal they were all over the place weren't they in terms mm-hmm. of their defensive positioning I think it was just just a case of us um, I think as you said Ricky maybe it was a case of just finding our feet again after the international break but either way I think we were just uh, feeling our way through the game and, and had a, a lot more in the tank should we need it and you know that's what we did yeah the, the timing of the goals are great weren't they to get that yeah. one before half time and then just bang straight after the break that's almost perfect kind of for us I think what Benjamin did there is what I've been looking for our experienced players to do at moments when you need them to step up he he absolutely willed his way to win that ball he made sure he was going to get that header and nobody else and I thought it showed a, a, a lot of a lot of guile and a lot of guts and I give full credit to Son as well um, who having given away a cheap free kick that led to the goal has immediately decided to turn out and make amends for it and take the game right to Newcastle with with that direct run that won the set that won the corner so again it's nice to see the experienced players not afraid to take it on and really stepping up at that moment and speaking about experienced players I mean I, we should ask uh, should Hugo have done a bit better for that for that um, free kick yeah absolutely he should have done it wasn't so obvious until I've seen the replays. I mean, it's one of those, we won 5-1, so it won't be spoken about again. But you can imagine had that game finished 1-1 or, God forbid, Newcastle won 1-0 and that had been the decisive goal in it, then I think we would be questioning again, of, is he past his peak? Is he in a little bit of a rut at the moment? He had a, he had a mistake against Wolves, didn't he, back in, back in February where he flapped at a couple and you might start joining the lines between those. But look, the... Um, 
that the match outcome means that it won't be a talking point. Yeah, I agree with Gareth. It looked bad on the replay. I thought it because it wasn't even really in the corner that much, was it? And he was, it was obviously kicked. It was struck the side that he was meant to be protecting as well. So yeah, yeah, he got a hand to it, didn't he? But yeah, um, yeah, I think he should have done better. I think the wall should have done better as well. But it happens. It does happen. And uh, as we've said, we got to half time with that vital goal, vital as it was to strike back, um, as we did, and then. <laughs> then came the second half where we can start talking about the impressive players on the field. Um, I mean, look, there are several. Um, I'll just run through a couple that we maybe won't talk about so much right now because we have talked about them in the past. Kulisevsky had an absolute stormer. Um, he was he was excellent. Uh, Romero was excellent. Um, Eric Dyer, super solid. Harry Kane, uh, just, I mean, superlative yesterday, I thought. Um, you know, deserved the goal. But what can you say? Unplayable. Sonny, really, really good. And then we come to, uh, you know, on the left, on the right, here's our Irish dynamite. We come to uh, to Matthew Doherty, as Antonio Conti likes to call him, which I particularly enjoyed hearing you refer to him as Matthew. Who wants to join me in a further celebration? And I know we've talked about him in previous pods, but who wants to join me in a, in a, in a little quick celebration of Matt Doherty and his performance yesterday? That's his seventh successive start that he's made. It's the um, first time he's been really effective playing on the left-hand side. And he's playing in a fully functioning team as well. And I think that's really important. He plays in a role where you need him making those runs into the back post area. And I think he does that more naturally than any of the other three wing backs that we've that, that we've got. So I think his renaissance is really indicative of the of the shape and the functionality of the team that, that Conte started to put together now. But really yeah. pleased for him. Because he's, he's had a really tough time. Oh, yes. I mean, he was he was so far on the outer ether of the squad mm. to be dragged back in. He was he was almost like Pluto. You know, he was a planet once and then he got struck off the list of a planet. But we've dragged him in to the centre of our solar system again. And he Has is... Pluto been struck off? Well, it was, wasn't it? Wasn't it like downgraded yeah. from a planet or something, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Was it really? Oh, my God. This is shattering news to you, Steph, is it? <laughs> almost That's literally, a disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. What an absolute disgrace. How can you downgrade Pluto for being a player? Anyway, it is a disgrace. I'm sorry. And I think Matt Doherty's form should see it should see it should be reinstated as a planet as if to prove that anything can yeah. happen, right? Matt Doherty's Renaissance, Pluto's a planet again. Anyway. Yeah, his Renaissance certainly has proved that because we you know, we'd all kind of given up then. Maybe not you, Steph, because you you'll 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 let everyone hang on by a thread and just hopefully they get reeled back. But um, no, fair play to him. I mean, the other thing I was going to ask, I can't remember because obviously his other, his other great form was at Wolves, wasn't it? And I just wondered yeah. who surrounded him there, what players he had on the right. Were they, was it, was um, Triore playing on the right when he played there? I can't think. Or was Jota on the right or Neto? Or I can't think who, who, who he linked up with there because maybe that's. I think Jota was a big part, wasn't he? Well, I think if, if he has other intelligent players around him, then I think that might be what the big help is as well. Possibly, just a theory. Yeah. Yeah, no, Pluto was downgraded as a planet, Steph, because uh, there are several celestial bodies further out that are of the same size or larger uh, that were discovered. So it's either you, you have lots, lots more planets in, this, in the solar system or you downgrade it. This is modern yeah. society for you, you see. If it was me with my lemon auras and all that business, I'd welcome them all in. More the merrier. <laughs> come on. Come on board. Let's come up with some new great <laughs> names. Let's call one Super Matt. Let's call one... <laughs> Let's call one Royale. Why not? <laughs> They've all got names, Steph. They have all got names. Oh, they. Oh, okay. 
This is getting me interested in astronomy. I'm going to look this up when we when we when we stop recording. Yeah, you learn a learn a lot, learn a lot in an evening. Wow. Sorry, I, cu- I cut you off again, Gareth. That's right. I was going to say, in response to Ricky, who's asking who um, Matt Doherty played played alongside at Wolves, and I'm just looking at their team sheet. So when he scored against us at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in March 2020, he played right wing back that day, and um, in front of him was well, he had Moutinho and Neves, of course, in central midfield, and then he had Adama Traore and Diego Jota in front of him. So Jota was to Doherty what Neptune mm. was to Pluto, I guess. Yeah. Well, very good. <laughs> very. Oh, that's very good i like that because <laughs> jotter's obviously a class act as well isn't he really so and benton core i think it's fair to say has made a huge difference as well to the performance of every player on the pitch and i'm sure he's made an improvement to to, to doherty's performance as well he's just he's just been peerless i mean he was another player i mean you could really have talked about like nine or ten players yesterday that were excellent but he was certainly in there i, I think he definitely helps with um with doherty you know as we said you know, when we're being critical of him earlier in the season, Doty isn't particularly great at carrying the ball. He wants the ball played in behind for him to run onto, and someone in midfield who can give him those balls to run and uh, run onto makes a real difference. So, you know, Benton Kerr coming in, who's got a nice range yes. of passing, um, and obviously Kulu coming into the side as well makes a real difference. I do wonder. I mean, obviously, you know, despite how well he's been playing, right back, right wing back is still going to be one of the priority positions in the summer, um, yeah. but. His flexibility of being able to play on both flanks, even if we brought in two right wing backs in the summer, um, I think his ability to play on the left as well makes him a useful uh, option in the squad. So I think yeah. it's been quite the renaissance for him, hasn't it? It has indeed. I was just going to add, just to add to the Benton core love, um, to see him in the flesh again at the weekend, it was a pleasure to watch, especially in that first half the other day. He really is a great player. I mean, hopefully it's not just first season kind of, mm. and he, he can keep up the form because he really is a brilliant addition to the team. Well, it's interesting that you, what you just said does bring up the phrase, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent, but I think he's permanently classy and I think he always seems to be in form. So I don't think you're going to have many problems there. I do think, you know, that's one thing, and I know this is not, a topic we're going to get into very deeply here. It'll be something we discuss at the end of the season, but we have to give Paratici his due here. The signings he has made, at least three of them, have really adapted very quickly to this league. And it's nice to see January signings signed with some proper due diligence and knowledge of the player, um, not just on the basis of what they did in their league. So, you know, a little thumbs up to our director of football there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think another three or four signings of that kind of quality in the summer and we could really put in a challenge next season. It's yeah. exciting stuff. And that leads me to ask you uh, how you felt Sunday's game ranked amongst our recent good performances um, and indeed maybe our performances this season. Because of the way the game turned out, we can we can, we can can put aside the first 40 minutes, so, which wasn't a disastrous performance. I think it was just perhaps, uh, you know, we were just feeling our way into the game. And you can see in other circumstances that do we, if we don't equalise at that point and we go in 1-0 down at half-time, suddenly the second half becomes far more difficult. Um, but in some ways, that makes the that makes the rest of the performance that much better that we were able to, to to click into gear so quickly. So we perhaps we weren't as fluent as the Everton performance, where I thought we were excellent throughout a full ninety minute period, and even West Ham, I think we were probably better from or more effective rather than better from first minute to to ninetieth minute. But I th- yeah, I think what's really encouraging about that performance, in a, in a different way to those two games, was the way that we were able to to resolve the challenge that we that we had and we were able to overcome the adversity and we were able to turn things around really quickly and and, and that bodes really well for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think what will um what will resonate with Conte with that result is um 
is the execution basically and I don't and when I say that I don't mean of the game plan but I mean as as of Newcastle United as an entity and he's he said that in so many weeks that we need to have that killer instinct we need to just kill games off and that was a real prime example that first 20 minutes of that second half it was just game over basically and also we didn't really let up I didn't think we let up in the game mm. even after that we just kept you know we were hungry for it and that's massively great positive stuff for the team and for Conte that's why he was smiling at the end I think so the evidence of the automations as well that quick passing, that quick one-touch passing through midfield. Everyone knows where the other players are running. And, you know, we've got at least a couple of goals off the back of that where it, we just cut through them. And, you know, that's just good coaching. That's just good work on the training ground and it paying dividends. And again, you know, once he's had a, a you know, a full uh, kind of pre-season with them, it's going to be very exciting to see what this side is going to look like next season, I think. How confident do we now feel, and I mean right now, Monday night, 10.56pm GMT, about our top four challenge. I know, put the stats, do me a favor, guys, put the stat sites aside, put all of that logistical data aside. I want to know how you feel. I mean, obviously you assimilate information as you need to and we assimilate vibes as we need to, but I want a personal reaction. How are we feeling? How are you each feeling? Um, well, I still think there's a long way to go yet in the season. I think there's still time for teams to play themselves into form and to play themselves out of form. And I think the result at Sellers Park and definitely the result at Stamford Bridge at the weekend and to a lesser extent United's result against against Leicester is just a reminder that there are going to be results. We're not going to win every week. Um, if we did win every week, we'd be up there with Manchester City and, and Liverpool. And I think that I, I don't want to get too excited. <laughs> you're a wounded. And, you're a wounded bunny, aren't you? You are so. You are so. I told hurt. you, I'm, I'm hard. I'm hardwired <laughs> to this sort of thing. This. <laughs> It's, it's muscle, it's muscle memory, um, both in terms of us and in terms of Arsenal and and, and United to an extent as well. Um, so I, I just want to keep my feet on the ground. I, I think that we did a really good job of mate of reminding everyone that it was never as bad as it felt after we lost to Wolves and Southampton. Um, and I think on the flip side of that, we just need to keep our feet on the on the ground now. Realise this isn't the finished product. Conte's done an incredible job in what four or five months at the moment, but I think there are going to be flaws or there will be games when you. You just you play well and you're just unfortunate or a decision goes against you um, or another team plays really well or you're subject to an absolute worldie going in against you and I still think that that you know that's that's possible we've got a tough game coming up at Villa at the weekend so um, I think stats websites are a, a sign I think they indicate that there's maybe what 40 percent chance of us getting fourth and I think that's probably where mm. I am at the moment look I was obviously I was on 20 percent a couple of weeks ago but ladies and gentlemen <laughs> you have just heard a minute maybe a minute, 20 seconds of the life of agony that has been and is be, if that is such a phrase, a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. Gareth is just giving it to you in one because he can't allow himself to to, 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 to believe what might be happening. And I understand that. I get it. I, I, I really do. But I just think it's fascinating. Anyone else? I'm feeling quietly confident. I think we're hitting form at the right point. I think uh, our rivals are uh, getting the wobbles at the right point. Um, and Gareth's right. There's a long way to go. My confidence is um, is based on us maintaining our form. But yeah, I I feel pretty good about the whole thing. And you know, I was pretty confident uh, when we discussed this. You know, our top four chances or the top four rivals a few you know a few weeks back, uh, and thought we had a you know reasonable chance then. But Arsenal were in the driving seat, and they've let that slip a little bit. And, you know, this weekend we've overturned, you know, they went into the weekend with a plus goal, plus seven goal difference on us. And we've overturned that, in, you know, that's overturned in one weekend. It's it's there. It's in our hands now. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think um, 
We're definitely on an upward trend. And I think I've said in other weeks that one thing we've always had, we've always got is Son and Kane. We've had three people that, and clubs just haven't got strikers like them. And we've got a third leg of that now as well with Kulu, who's just falling in our lap to make a great front three. But I think the main thing is, I just think this could be, because because of that upward trend and looking at Conte's demeanour, I think this is Conte time now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously he's a workaholic and... You know, he could be frustrated and impatient. He's just, because at the start, he's just trying to get the ball rolling and that. But my hunch is, is that this is when he comes into his own now, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think when he sees light, you know, when he sees steps of progress every week and the team delivering on his sort of requests, um, he's respond, they're responding to his direction now. And that excites him. And that's what he lives for, I think. And he's just, um, and he's happy being that leader and he's like a real fireball of energy. And he's, st- and in, in this kind of situation, he's streets ahead of Arteta. Mm-hmm. Um, Man United are just a rolling on shit show continuously. So, um, hopefully they're kind of out of it, but I think he would just really will now when he feels the team are doing it for him. He'll be just a real kind of central character that's like, just come on, let's go, go, go. And I think that. That could do it for us. I think that could do it for us. Especially now it's in our hands, as you say. We could win every game. I say we might even be able to catch Chelsea in third. Yeah, they yeah. had the wobble at the weekend. It it might just be a one, a one weekend thing or a one game thing. But if they lose another one soon, then they're what they're five points ahead of us with, with it, having played a game less. But they've got a tough run in. I, I have my stat of the weekend for Chelsea is that they've lost this fixture. So the one immediately after the international break, they've lost a home game in four of the last five years. They got beat five two by West Brom this time last year. Immediately after the international break, it was their first defeat in ten, and then they went on and didn't lose any of the next six. So um, I'm thinking that this Brentford result might just be a one-off blip again. I I don't know, but what I do know is that. You know, I've always felt that this top four race is going to come down to the best managers, and I feel we've got the third best manager in 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 the division uh, with some ease, and you know, quite possibly, uh, you know, we'll finish third or fourth. I don't know, but I do feel he is going to be the difference. I always felt it, and actually, recent weeks and uh, the performance on on Sunday uh, have have reinforced that opinion tenfold. It's going to be down to him, the manager, and I believe that uh, we will. I think we're going to make it, and I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to feel the pain or the joy because I think we're going to do it. Um, And that being said, uh, one positive and one negative, please, chaps. Uh, Three, two, one. Ricky, I'm starting with you. Uh, My positive was the um, lovely um, share of goals we had around the players that got them this week. That was such a great thing. And just one other thing, I'd really liked it, just like to mention, I love it when also, not only did Ben Davies score his goal, but I loved it when he channeled his inner Romero in the 70th minute and smashed those two blokes. (laughs) I thought that was quite funny as well. But yeah, positive. Oh, negative. Um... Nothing really. I suppose Reggie's uh, injury and training that he got. Gareth? Yeah, I'm going to give you two things from the crowd because I think we've discussed what happened on the on the pitch. So, firstly, I like the really 1980s feel to the crowd shouting off, 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 off as uh, Martin Atkinson beckoned Joe Linton over to him. He did only show him a yellow card, but that's something I haven't seen or heard in a long time at a stadium. And talking of chance, there's my negative as well. I think I've said this before. Um, I don't like the fact that our chant isn't become any more imaginative than just shouting Antonio and recycling a Chelsea song. Yeah, it's terrible. My positive, well, I think Harry Kane, man of the match performance and, uh, you know, doesn't get on the score sheet, but just run the show. It's just different gravy at the moment. And my negative, the goal conceded, I think giving away a sloppy free kick and, uh, and not doing enough with it. It could have been a perfect afternoon without that. I think my positive 
is uh, seeing that the automation has flipped into a psychological place as well. It's not just physical and it's not just football, it's mental. We we went one down, we immediately just got about it and carried on. And there seems to be a strength and fortitude and belief growing amongst this, this squad. Because remember, you know, the players that came on also contributed to the goal scored. Um, there's a belief that is, you know, and it's, it's almost an autopilot. It's like I, I believe that this team believes that it will not lose. And I like that. I think it's a massive positive. Um, yeah, I mean, the only negative I could possibly find was Hugo's handling for the free kick. Um, it's it's small change uh, disappointment in, at the end of the day um, and kind of scrabbling for something. But, you know, against better teams, we won't get away with it. But, you know, I back Hugo to also bail us out against better teams as well. So, you know, it'll all even out. What we can say is that Tottenham 5, Newcastle 1 was a wonderful, wonderful day out. And uh, let's have more like it. So Newcastle vanquished quite easily. And next Saturday, we go up to Villa Park and we play Aston Villa in another of our regular cup finals at this stage of the season. It has to be said. A very simple uh, question here. Uh, how confident are you going into this game? Um, I'm going to throw a curve. Do you think that Steven Gerrard has improved Aston Villa to the point where we should be genuinely scared of them? And actually, I'll ask you a third question. What about Aston Villa do you think is exploitable by this current Tottenham Hotspur side? Who wants to take on that triplet? Um, I don't mind going first. Just one thing on the cup final thing. I wish um, Conte would stop saying that we've got... X number of cup finals till the end of the season. He's obviously a man who's never seen us in a cup final and doesn't realise what that <laughs> means. It makes me nervous. Um, <laughs> but um, um, oh, very good, oh, very good. In terms of who should play, I mean, if Reggie's still out, I think Cess and Skip are meant to be in contention for the weekend. So it, you know, you you might be able to see marvellous Matt back on his uh, preferred side, Steph, and uh, and Cess uh, drops back in at left wing back, which would be good. Other than that, I don't think you're going to change anything, are you? In terms of whether Gerard has improved Villa, I suppose it depends on what point you take that from. They definitely look better than they did in the first half of this season, um, but they look like they're going to end up with a points total kind of broadly around where they had last season. I mean, obviously Grealish was so central to how they played before you know last season that losing him was always going to be difficult and you know we know from personal experience what it's like when you sell a superstar and then buy a handful of other players to replace them and I think they've struggled with that a little bit in terms of what we can exploit I don't think so I'd, I'd Villa don't when I've watched them they don't appear to be one of the teams that play in a way that we struggle with so I don't think I don't think they're likely to sit back and try and soak it up you know, all the way through the game, I think they're going to try and play football. And those teams that are trying to play football but aren't brilliant, we tend to sweep aside quite comfortably at the moment. So, it, yeah, I'm pretty confident about this one. I think, you know, they're an OK team, but I think OK teams are probably a perfect opponent at the moment. Yeah, perhaps particularly OK teams that are languishing around the middle of the table and haven't really got any motivation to either pull away from the relegation zone or to try and get into the Europa spots. Looking at their home form, they're pretty poor. They've only won one of their last five home games and that's included losses at home to Watford and, um, and a draw against Leeds as well. So it's hardly fortress Villa Park at the moment. You look at their team sheet and you look at the front three of, I assume it'll be Buendia, Watkins and um, Coutinho again, mm-hmm. possibly with Ings to come in there. So they're all players whose, whose names on paper put a bit of fear in 
two years. I quite like both their fullbacks as well. But there's a reason why they are in the middle of the table. And I think playing teams in the middle of the table at this point of the season isn't isn't such a bad thing. So I'd be reasonably confident that that we can go up there. So so that muscle memory of remembering how we played up at Burnley and Middlesbrough, who are teams that are worse than you know than Villa it wasn't that long ago so I think we need to continue the momentum that we've got and of course this will be the famous fourth win in a row that I've been banging on about for for so long as well should we get a should we get a victory over there I think you need a basket of lemons under your desk there mate <laughs> <laughs> a house full of them <laughs> I think um I think Gerard's doing all right, but he didn't really take over a train wreck, did he? I think Dean Smith no. had done a pretty long, done a good few seasons there, done well, but he was just kind of a bit probably like Rogers at Leicester. It was time for him to kind of move on, mm-hmm. uh, although Rogers obviously hasn't moved on. Um, but and he's making similar noises to Conte in the sense of he kind of understands where their level is and he knows what they need to do to try and break up higher. But I think I think they've got players that could possibly coach on, and he could do that. But um, it just takes a while, like you say. Once Grealish has gone and they've spent, you know, the Danny Ings has come and Buendia's there and all that. I think and and uh, Douglas Luiz is that seems quite a good player to me. I thought they might give Arsenal a tricky game and never did, did they? Arsenal mm. really did make easy work of them. And I think Arsenal's tactic was just to stop stop the connections through to Buendia and Coutinho, who are obviously the danger players. And I know, and maybe what Villa should have done is just gone a bit longer to Watkins and then try and found something that way because they really were pinned back by Arsenal. But um, So I think, as you say, Milo, I think it might play into our hands. And beyond the terrible memory of the Danny Rose game there under Redknapp, I think we've had some quite good games there, haven't we? When we've, um, I think Sonny got a, didn't Sonny get a really last gas winner there, I think? So, mm, and of course, and you never know, Harry Kane might score mm. a free kick there <laughs> if he gets the chance to take one. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to this one. Excellent. And if he does score a free kick there, won't it be, I mean, I don't quite know if it will be the first direct free kick he scored since the last one he took there, but he will actually officially put to an end the threat of being, is it? Is it the Premiership player to miss or to not score from the most direct free kicks ever is that is that what it is that's the stat isn't it I mean he's on the cusp of breaking the first negative record ever right I mean something like that so yeah look I I I think you know players like Matty Cash give I think uh, are underrated they give Villa a lot of energy and a lot of vibe and I think if we Mm -hmm. match that energy early doors and 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 just you know stop that supply line I think this will be a very comfortable win but again I expect us to steward the game through the first 20-25 minutes and then just and then take it I really do I don't think we need to go gangbusters and I, I I can see it being quite a you know quite an easy win in the end my concern of course remains Romero uh, with the yellow card situation, let's not forget for all the the fine performance he had against Newcastle in the 80th minute, he still went rather too close to me to a yellow card uh, in an unnecessary position. So I just want to make sure he stewards his way through that, or we steward him through that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm with you all. Wow, this is a we're all confident that we're going to get something from this game, a win. This is good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent, wonderful. Excellent. Okay. Well, that being said, uh, we will be back next week to talk about that game against Villa and probably some other waffle as well, I've no doubt. Um, Gareth, Milo, Ricky, thank you very much. Cheers, Steph. Thanks, Steph. Cheers, Steph. Yes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow. Say hello. If you've enjoyed, if you've enjoyed, if you've enjoyed <laughs> this, if you've enjoyed this, please tell your pals and leave a glowing review on iTunes and Spotify. As always, thanks for joining us. And remember, On the left, on the right, he's our Irish dynamite, 
and he makes Roberto Carlos look shite. See you later.